0: I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories.
1: Everything is
0: song, when we live it, Hey, folks, we're having a good day today, and let me be the first welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must note that I'm not a doctor psychiatrist. If you're starting to diagnose with autism, please see the physician. I was based on my experiences. That's during the right to the intro, and natural. They are found on televisiontunes.com and YT to mp3.info. I also have a mission statement I'd like to review with all of you. The mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the negative stigma off of autism and other conditions that may your disabilities. People on Spectrum are not broken. Those with conditions do not want to be fixed. There is no need for penis, and there's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some paid for the following I have to talk about the Yoho General store in Green County. Marcy Cook's company is a well liked attraction. It is a general store and restaurant well-known for its excellent ice cream and Southern-inspired cuisine. Feel free to visit this wonderful place. We now must discuss Shipley Drywall. They are based in Bloomfield, Indiana and provide assistance with your home. We treat your home like it is ours, as they say. Call them at 812-825-1893 if you require any house repairs. Both you and they will benefit from this service. I'm going to go to Bedford and check out Salt Creek Brewery. It is a craft theater brewery offering live music. What makes this place special is everything is finished in a workshop. You should go there since you won't forget what you experience there. The next on the list is my Buffalo Wings and Rings in Bedford, Indiana. They won't bother you making this the greatest bunch of wings and rings ever. Because of the warm atmosphere and kind staff, you will leave this institution smiling. And there are also some people i like to thank. First, I would love to thank all the parents who were on my last episode. And C220, you got to have a try for more information. But what amazing people and even better parents! These are the pants that are true mothers and fathers, so please check them out and their information. I also want to thank David Kubiak from the Bluebird in Bloomington, Indiana, for letting us have winter concerts for our movement. You rock, man. Also, last month we had our October board meeting. Through this meet, we worked out that the Hairbangers Bowl event will be dedicated to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Make sure to attend. It will be a blast. Several Wednesdays ago, I attended Potapalooza, and it was a great time because I made a couple of friends, and both of them were on my parents' episode. Also, the speeches were fantastic. Thank you, Kimberly Pro and Michelle Abram for planning this event. It was great. Also, I was nominated for the Hamilton Center Awards through Patty Daner. Although I did not win, it was still an honor to be nominated. Thank you to all who were involved with this. Plus, I want to thank Tim Muller through Kindtree. He invited me to a social event where I got to meet people that were very similar to who I am. Thank you, Tim. It was awesome. And recently, our board member Stephen Ryan gave the president, Gina Mitchell, constructive criticism on how to make her book better. We both thank you for helping us with this humongous project. And since the last episode, I have been on two podcasts. I was on the Everything and Nothing podcast with Adrian Barrett and the Wishing Wellness podcast with Allison Cheyenne. What awesome podcast. Now, it's that time, everyone. We actually had to draw for our new shirt item coming up, or I guess our next design for our shirt. And the winner is Maya Sundermeyer, one of my former guests. So we'll give her a round of applause. We'll definitely be talking to you, Maya. And we'll definitely be seeing how you want your shirt to look. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're here from Barn on Maryland Ridge. So let's get to it.
1: There is a hidden gem in Eastern Greene County, folks. Fowler's Pumpkin Patch and the Barn on Maryland Ridge Wedding Barn. Autism Rocks and Rolls is very proud to tell you about our friends, Perry and Renee Fowler, and their place of business. Both Fowler Pumpkin Patch and the Barn on Maryland Ridge is a relaxing drive approximately 15 minutes from the heart of Bloomington, Indiana, and an hour south of Indianapolis. You can find them at 53... 53- South Green County Line Road, Bloomington, Indiana, 47403. The property has numerous picture locations, including several rolling fields, antique tractors, red and rustic barns, trees, and much more. Customized wedding packages are offered on their website. The surrounding area also provides several hotels in which to have your guests stay for your destination wedding. Also, Fowler's Pumpkin Patch is a family-owned and operated seasonal pumpkin patch. It's the perfect place to take your family for some fall fun. Enjoy picking out pumpkins, hay rides, a corn maze and a petting zoo call the fowlers today at 812-327-4895 or 812-325-6022
0: all right folks we are back and yes please check them out because you will definitely hear the words i do at this wedding barn now today we have someone who i call as a friend who actually been requested to come on this show three times and after much consideration i think we was a well-worth guest and his name is Adam Wheeler. Adam Wheeler is a lifelong resident of Bloomington and a graduate of Indiana U- University Bloomington with a B.S. in Recreational Therapy and M.A. in Speech and Language Sciences. He is currently the Speech-Language Pathologist at Clear Creek Elementary School and the Treasurer for the Monroe County Autism Foundation. Adam's understanding of autism came about early and organically growing up in a family replete with neurodivergence. His late father, Philip, was diagnosed with autism as an adult after years of misunderstandings and misdiagnosis. Phil's experience and guidance play an integral part of Adam's understanding and awareness of people on the spectrum and their needs. Phil was a mentor to many, including a young man with autism named Matthew, with whom Adam developed an especially impactful bond with. Adam's older brother is also on the spectrum. This relationship forced him to learn unique routines and ways to communicate. Adam's mother, Marcy, only recently retired from the Indiana Institute on Disability and Community Resource Center for Autism after 40 years of supporting and connecting families with resources across the state of Indiana and the autism community, further modeling empathy and understanding for the families impacted by autism. At 12 years old, Adam answered an advertisement for a simple babysitting position as fate would have it, the little boy had autism he was just three and over their 20 years together adam naturally mentored benny through developing language navigating emotions building relationships strengthening academics and learning adaptive skills adam followed this approach to regularly organized play groups for families he worked for a skill which he had owned and continued to this day these groups are completely child-led with an adult acting only as a conduit for a connection model for skills and mediator to encourage empathy and understanding. Current groups generally center around Lego, although some other STEM activities and board games are used as well. Adam started his own LLC celebrating the spectrum to expand his vision of supporting individuals with autism across the lifespan in rewarding, efficacious, and deeply respectful ways. So let's welcome this great guy to the show. Adam, how are we doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Sam? I'm doing wonderful, man. Thanks for having me. My first question I want to ask you is, what does
2: being involved with the autism field mean to you? Wow, what a question. I mean, it's more than just a job or a career path for me. It's like a calling. My life centers around both professionally and privately, just helping people with autism better access resources in their community and be better understood like you say in a non-stigmatized way right and that is the
0: important part the non-stigmatized way because there's some people out there who just try to poke the bear and in all honestly try to say that oh we're not normal we need to be
2: fixed and as I said my mission we don't need to be fixed that needs to get out of people's heads I completely agree I think if it was approached like a lot of other qualities or personality traits are approached and it's just like, well, this is just one component of someone's personality and makes them who they are. If someone is creative and caring, you wouldn't say, well, we need to change that about them. Or, you know, I like the caring part. Let's get rid of the creative. You take the whole person for who they are and people have autism. That's part of who they are. And sometimes that means they need more support. Sometimes it means they need more understanding.
0: What bothers me about it though is people say it's them totally. No, it's not. There's more to them than just the autism. Yeah.
2: So there's a great, Um, it's increasing now, but in my undergraduate at the School of Public Health, there's uh, an increased emphasis on the biopsychosocial model. And it looks at the environment and it looks at genetics, but it also looks at how all of it interplays with our environment and how that creates the misunderstandings and the difficulties. It's not necessarily the person. To relate it to somebody with a physical disability, it would be like, well, somebody who's in a wheelchair can't access this building, right? They have a problem. They can't get to this building. Well, maybe the building has the problem, right? The building doesn't have a way for them to get in. So when we frame the way we look and we look at ways to be more understanding and cooperative and provide accommodations, whether that be sensory based or whether that be skill based, we open up opportunities for people with autism, which is sadly one of the you know most underutilized groups, particularly when it comes to employment, but that's a slightly different ball of wax and it kind of reminds me of this quote i don't know how big of a pro wrestling fan you
0: are but it's like andre the giant said his thing was in a different realm but it kind of relates to that he says well they make everything for blind people and quote unquote crippled people but not anything for bigger people we need to make something for those who are wired just a bit differently maybe who are sized a bit more differently
2: i actually grew up on old school wwf back when it was the wwf i totally relate when you said it that, though that's what my
0: quote That's what hit me. And I watched Andre the Giant documentary recently, so that might have something to do with it.
2: I totally agree. That comes about in society. Society kind of agrees we should make these changes to support people. And for some reason, it took a while and we're still, I think, scratching the surface with a lot of understanding for folks on the spectrum in the workplace and some of these areas where the social differences are increasingly impactful and they don't have to be people could just learn to be more understanding and supportive okay let me ask you this why in your brand do they not have to be why aren't they choosing to be like why isn't that happening already Sure, we can wear it that way. I think people are generally so self-absorbed. We all grow up in society and a culture and neurotypical people are much more pressured by the larger culture. And that pressure has pressured them to fit into all these social norms. And now they like or at least they're so familiar. They're sort of like their traditions what familiar and that you should too why wouldn't you get along with this why wouldn't you just look at me when we're talking why wouldn't you just do these things it makes more sense and i can come up with just as many arguments which is one of my strengths as to why not providing eye contact is more beneficial right i mean i can play devil's advocate with neurotypical people and get them to recognize, uh I guess this is just, it is the way it is, right? But it doesn't have to be that way. When you get them to, to flip that switch, a lot of times people will, are great. But it, it's flipping that switch, for whatever reason, doesn't come easily for a lot of people. Right. And then, actually, no, when they do flip the switch, they're like, grew going, night bulb." Uh-huh. I know. I'm sure you've met these folks where they become advocates. When they become, you know, cheerleaders for the, the message. But early on, it just doesn't click. Yeah, and I, and I get that to a point, but we, they got to get there somehow.
0: What were your initial thoughts when you learned that you were going to be involved with autism, like involved with the field?
2: Well, so I guess that would go back to that first time I responded to a babysitting position when I was 12 years old and the three-year-old boy had autism. He was just recently diagnosed. So that was my first like official introduction to it beyond just what my mom had explained to me about why my dad acted kind of the way he did and and my brother acted the way he kind of did and that type of a thing. But that's really what sparked my desire to want to work with people with different needs and different abilities. And I just saw this child who was nonverbal and was self-injurious, he would bang his head, he would bite himself and things. And then I could see how I could help him. And I could see his growth and his comfort increase and his anxieties decrease and his joy and his words coming about. It was just inspiring. And it just sort of hit me that that's what I wanted to do. Okay,
0: let's go into a little bit more specific. Was there a specific moment that you thought, okay, yep,
2: I want to get involved. So, I knew from that point, without a doubt, I wanted to support people, particularly with autism, but really just be an advocate for those with disabilities. So when I went to college initially, I was going to go for pre-law and plan to be a lawyer to work on advocacy for disability groups. But as soon as I started that, I recognized, based on my earlier work with Benny and some of these other boys with autism that I needed to work with people, I needed to connect with them. So I think the point at which I knew I wanted to do what I'm doing now, one on one and group work with people was when I started to look at pre law stuff and recognize that I didn't want to do that. And I needed to work with people and talk to them and learn who they were and learn how to help them on a personal level. That makes more sense. And we're gonna
0: talk more about um, this three year old that you worked with in a bit. But what I'm going to get to now is these thoughts, kind of, because based on your observations and what you've seen, how do you think someone with an autistic brain operates?
2: Again, I'm not going to generalize because everyone's still an individual with autism, right? But I think there are some, some categorized, in my experience, there are a few different types, if you want to put it that way, autistic brains. If you tried to boil a commonality down between them, it would be rationality that folks on the spectrum, their brain operates in what tries to be the most direct, effective way to get to a problem in a rational way that doesn't take into account a lot of other components right prevailing emotions or what people around them are thinking those types of things so for certain sets of problems and you see this in fields of engineering and some of this that's why you see so many folks on the spectrum excelling in software engineering and structural engineering and all kinds of things the brain is wired to solve problems rationally in a stepwise manner right um, but
0: then example, there's some though that don't yes I exactly guessed, right so then I just- for his privacy he
2: steps. I know folks on the spectrum that are incredibly social, but they struggle with culturally accepted social cues. The thought of autism is, oh, well, they don't like social stuff. And that's another huge, huge thing I'm trying to get people to understand and stop saying and putting out there. It may look different. It may not be what it what you think social stuff looks like, but everybody likes social connection. We are social animals. It's just, like I said, if your brain is very rational, it might not conform to some of those abstract and social things that don't really make sense. And that's why you don't have around the world, cultures do things differently. If you're embarrassed in a lot of Southeast Asian cultures, you're supposed to bow and laugh. Here, if you were getting reprimanded by your boss, if you laughed at him, you'd get in real big trouble. You're supposed to sit there and look at them in the eye. It would be incredibly disrespectful if you did that in another culture, but we're all human. So again, it's a little bit arbitrary. And I think you see that a lot of people with autism, it just, you cut through that. It's a waste of time to worry about some of that sometimes. Cut straight to the chase. Me, I'm the type of person who's got straight to
0: the chase okay, don't go around the wheel go on the wheel but yeah when you stop say what you
2: mean, and mean what you say, say what you mean say what you mean and mean what you say
0: now what is the most rewarding and the most difficult part of being involved with the spectrum?
2: oh that's a good question professionally or or both professionally and personally? Professionally and personally. Professionally, what's probably the most difficult is always finding the right strength and energy to work with clients, right? Sometimes I'm busy 60 or 70 hours a week across varying capacities, but always supporting individuals with some level of disability or some level of extra need. So I think professionally, it's not unique to autism. It's just unique to caregiving. I'm sure nurses and teachers being able to have the the emotional support and readiness and smile and right attitude and not let things, keeping that going throughout, even when it's been a really long week is very difficult, but necessary if you're going to be in that type of position. what you're
0: summarizing, and I'm just trying to clarify the answer for myself as well, is basically keeping a positive attitude regardless of what happens, even though your client may not understand this norm or you have to be realistic, say, but okay, you know, this might happen in the future.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, I've got clients that are very physical, right? So when they have outbursts, sometimes it's very physical it's hard to get beat up two or three times a week and then you have to come back and continue to be supportive and understanding and grow with them and help them understand why that isn't the right way to handle it and give them other tools and options but it can be exhausting and it can be really tiring i mean personally growing up with a father on the spectrum and a brother on the spectrum and i had my own challenges you know i have several diagnoses I was born today i might just be born on the spectrum i mean i ocd and adhd and anxiety and all these things that kind of but anyway it was somewhat unpredictable and it took me a while to not take things so personally from my father and my brother and realize that they're human too my older brother really had trouble adjusting to a younger brother and man he did not like me (laughs) Uh, (laughs) does he still not like you we actually get along very very well now we get along very well and part of it is i learned to respect him better and he learned to respect others better and it was kind of a compromise like we talked about in the beginning it's not all one person right it's it's always a matter of understanding and meeting in the middle in some sort of a way my grandfather would be loving this
0: right now because trust me He's a firm mm-hmm. believer in me in the middle and he had to do that a lot as
2: yeah, I, I think it's up. something we're missing a lot of probably today.
0: Oh yeah. It's hard for me to all minute. There are some things I'm like, okay, not happening, non-negotiable. I mean, yeah. it's not me being a ruthless tyrant or a brat. It's just me saying, I cannot cope with this or this is the way it has to be for myself or the task will not get done.
2: It's like you said, as long as that's not putting undue burden on other people, that's your prerogative. Go at your pace with your supports or whatever, right? As long as your supports don't include screaming at everyone as you get it done, right? So I, I totally agree with you, Sam.
0: Thank you. Now, what advice would you give to anyone else who is thinking about being involved with autism or in your field?
2: Well, speech language pathology in general and I'll I'll throw recreational therapy in there too both of them are outstanding fields and I think you could do whatever you want in either of them so recreational therapy you can work in veteran hospitals, actual hospitals, nursing homes, addiction recovery centers are some of the main places. And speech language pathologists are in nursing homes, hospitals, schools, and very desirable field. And you can work with all kinds of populations, just children, just older adults. So I think as a field, it's really great. You're not stuck on one population or another or one disability or group or anything like that. You have a lot of flexibility. You can change over time. So I think all of that's good. I think if you're devoting yourself to working with folks that are neurodiverse, I think you have to recognize that you're going to have to open your mind and accept things that aren't, that you maybe can't even understand. And you just have to accept them as other people's truth and move on from it. One example, I don't know if you saw, there was a picture going around for a while, Sam, of like a dress that was like a blue dress and an orange dress, but it was the same dress. Have you seen that? I don't think so, my friend. I'll try to find it and send it to you but basically every colors that we see are all go through our brains before we know what color they are our brains are interpreting that and there are some colors that are just at the right spot on the color spectrum that some people see it as a gold and some people see it as a kind of purple and it just goes to show if someone told you oh that's a gold dress you could have a big fight because somebody else would go to the grave saying no that's a purple dress well guess what you're both right. And I think that's the message more people need to understand about neurodiverse individuals. There's more than one way to get the same answer.
0: I 100% agree with you. Because someone says something else doesn't mean they're right. And let's be honest here. With that case, my first question is, where's the scientific facts? Where's the scientific that states, okay, it's gold. Okay, it's purple. Okay, we can proclaim it. Where's your evidence?
2: So what they would use is a spectrometer. They can. They can tell you the gradient. They they can tell you the color. But that doesn't mean to the people seeing it. You know, a lot of people have hearing sensitivities, right? And they wear headphones. Well, that's because they hear louder. Noises affect those folks differently. To tell them, no, you don't need those headphones. Just get used to it. You'll get used to it. That is like torture. That is not respecting someone's... That's like how they used to make people be right-handed instead of left-handed it's a form of abuse it kind um, of is
0: because there's is. a story with that i have sensitive feelings as well not like like emotional but like external and for the sure. listeners you can see 123 sensitive feelings more information on that but mine is a wet t-shirt i will not go in a pool lake, river without the shirt off because uh-huh. when i come out the shirt is torturous it oh, is buddy. like honestly a vice grip on my stomach and on my side.
2: It's like get it, this off of me. This is a feeling I, that is I, I don't unbearable. Like being wet. I don't like being wet ever unless it's because I'm swimming or whatever. If I get caught in there, I hate being caught in the rain and I can't explain it. People tell me, oh, you're being a whatever. Well, buddy, neurotypical people have their things that are whatever but they're socially acceptable and they're allowed to complain all day long about them. Neurotypical people have things. They complain they're weird and they get written off as being dramatic or something. It's really
0: obnoxious. Sensory feelings does not mean dramatic. That just means a barrier that can or cannot be overcome. Because believe me, I think sometimes with that wet shirt, I hate complaining about it as much as you hate hearing about it.
2: Yeah, I mean, I totally get you. So I wish people could be more understanding of the fact that our brains don't process things the same and that you just have to understand that it's just different. It's like three different paths in the woods, right? And one path might look the most direct, but neurodiverse people might not be able to take that path. It doesn't, they need to take the other path so it is faster for them.
0: It would honestly solve the world's problems if we could all get there. That's my mission. Uh, But I
2: thank you for that. Now
0: I am curious though, my mother told me a lot about you, but how did you hear about my show?
2: My first path I crossed was when COVID started, I bought some masks that you were making and then I had just either stayed connected on Facebook or something and then I just kept, seeing stuff and then i think we did a fundraising sort of joint thing with you in the mcaf one time too in the autism foundation maybe not or, or we started to and it didn't work so anyway our paths have kind of overlapped a few times and everything so it may have been battle of the lights is what you're thinking
0: of. oh That's i what, think that is that it's is good. that is because um we know one of our parents and for the listeners c220 you gotta try for more information but alexis mcclure was on there and she has a daughter who's nonverbal. She's phenomenal, but yeah. that's how I think we may have. I think that was, connected. yep. We've, yep, so. And I'm just curious, what do you like about the work specifically? Do you like the podcast? Do you like the merch? Did you like the mask? I mean, you like the uh-huh. fact that I'm a supportive person? I mean, what is it?
2: I needed masks and I figured if I was going to buy masks, I might buy masks that support a cause that has a mission that I believe in, like you did. As far as continuing it, I mean, like I said, I grew up, I knew mankind, Mick Foley, so I'm always amazed at some of the guests you get. I had breakfast with Temple Grandin at a convention in Florida, in Orlando, when I was maybe 10 years old. She cussed like a sailor in front of me, and as the takeaway, I go, wow, she cussed a lot in front of a child. That's funny. She has never cussed in front of us. It was funny. Maybe things have changed, but my mom, she, she had a pretty close relationship with my mom through her work. I think primarily I'm impressed with your ability to do good interviews and good guests. I would say if, if you ask me for your, what I would say is the single thing I admire about the show. First of all, thank you. But I'll, I'll tell you what I do straight up. I just asked. Like, hey. I
0: will literally go to their Facebook Messenger, their Twitter account, their Instagram account or whatever... The majority of the celebrity uses, and each celebrity is different, but I just ask, like, hey, this is what I do, man. What do you think? Good for you, Sam. It's all you can do, really.
1: That's That's what I
0: think might be part of the problem with people these days is they're too afraid to ask.
2: Our culture so demonizes failure that it prevents people from being creative, from taking that extra time to explore an area that isn't immediately profitable. Right.
0: You have probably went to college and you went into the speech pathology field. So I want you to think right now you're talking to some students at Indiana University, which is where you went, and they're going into speech pathology field too. From your experience, what would you tell other students that are going into your field?
2: I think the main thing is like what I said, when you asked professionally what was the most difficult, that you have to know your level of emotional stamina. In a field like this, you have to know as a person how much you can give of yourself before you need to recharge your emotional batteries, because that will determine the setting that you can work in and how fast paced you are a lot of that like you need to know a lot about yourself to make sure that you're in a supportive environment. Like if I worked in the hospitals and like an acute care where a lot was going on, I couldn't handle, I'd blow my brains out. I need to have time to get to know clients and get to know what makes them tick and build a connection so that they feel supported and then build from there. So I think knowing yourself and particularly your ability or kind of what your level of emotional stamina is. Ryan,
0: there's a perfect example of that because before I got to this podcast, I really wish I would have done it because- What I know about myself now is I am very patient with children and animals. I've always been like that. I'm I'm surprised I am. I won't lie to you there, but I've been very patient with animals, children, but what I'm not patient with is electronics, yet Mm. I'm writing a podcast. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So poopy on me, but I wish I would have figured that out before I started the podcast.
2: But I'm sure you've picked it up. I mean, sometimes there's a few hurdles I think it's It's worth getting over because I think you getting your message out there, I think that is big for you. Don't you, Sam?
0: Uh, I would agree with you there. I mean, definitely took 16 years of the making to make the message, but at least I'm doing it now versus yeah. never.
2: I don't know if you follow Gary V at all, Gary Vaynerchuk, but he's got a good message about that. It's like, it's, you've got time. You've got time. Just change it now. Do better now. You can start your life at any point, really. Beautiful, Sam. Now, I do
0: want to know about your job a little more. So, you're an elementary school speech pathologist. What are some of the responsibilities that you do as an elementary school? speech pathologist.
2: So I'm responsible for screening and evaluation of students suspected of having speech or language impairments. And then I'm also responsible for um, providing treatment and documentation and doing Medicaid billing for those students. What do you find interesting about speech language
0: pathology? Not like maybe the autism part, but just the speech language pathology part as a whole. Sure.
2: So I do love that it's not cookie cutter. So you might be working on R production, right? And you've got kids that are producing it several different ways. And sometimes kids will respond to one cue or one method of producing the R and not the other or vice versa. As far as language impairments go, the different ways that those can present. It's fun for me. Did you ever watch the TV show House? Uh, No, I'm afraid not. It's famous for diagnosing really hard things. It's fun for me to identify the trick or the thing that really works this time or, you know, makes a lot of growth. Because like I said, it's not just obvious. It's not like, oh, this kid does this, do this, now they're better. Sometimes it's more art than science, if that makes sense.
0: Yes, because in a sense, what I'm hearing is you kind of have to go up the stairs, but you could take your time going up it.
2: Yeah, or I build a ramp, right? If we're there, Or whatever it is. I, li- I like your analogy there. I provide the scaffolding, but every student needs different scaffolding. Yeah.
0: I would agree with that. Now, part of your job is what I've heard through speech pathologists, and I was a speech therapy, so I know this is what they do or part of their Mm -hmm. job. They had to do IEPs. So what steps do you take when
2: writing individualized education programs or as they're called, IEPs? Good question. I do do a lot of that. It is not my favorite part because I do a lot of it. But it's paperwork, right? Who loves paperwork. But it's super important. That's why we do it. The IEP is... The legal document which guarantees services for students identified as having some speech, language, or other special education eligibility. And that could be for things like attention issues or anxiety issues, things like that, or behavioral, emotional, intellectual. So it always starts with the concerns of the parent, because again, this is a document that guarantees the student is getting access to the public education that their peers do. As you pointed out earlier, the scaffolding, this document essentially outlines all of the supports that are necessary and will be provided for a student to access their school education the same way that all peers would regardless of any eligibility so in a sense the scaffolding is kind of like a railing or the yep, it's the supports it's the steps it's the thing that you hang doors on it's however you get up it's the rungs of the ladder right? It's a matter of some people can use a regular ladder. Some people need the rungs closer together. Some people need a ramp. The IEP is what tells us what we need to provide the student so that they can have the same education opportunities as everyone else. And that includes developing relevant and attainable and measurable goals that includes outlining how many minutes will be spent with the student generally by the week but it's always different how it's prescribed in there the level of those supports whether they'll be group or individual sometimes it's a combination right all of that is outlined so it's identifying the concerns of the parent and if the student's old enough, the student as well, and then developing goals and supports, developing goals so that they can address their concerns and then the supports that are necessary to achieve those goals. Right. It's a long winded answer to get you there, but it's a long document. So
0: it is. And I believe me, I've heard teachers who are in that field like, oh my God, you got to be kidding me. I do not want to do this. And now, hearing about it, I was always wondering, like, why in the heck do they complain about that?
2: It can't be that bad. But then, now hearing well, it,
0: oh boy, I'll
2: tell you, it goes back to overall support and staffing. If there were two SLPs in my building, right? Or if all the teachers had half as many students in their classes, right? It would be like, oh, I've got two students with IEPs. I Tell me what I can do to support them. But as it is, the class is overflowing. They've got six IEPs and they're going, oh, you know, it's too much. It's too much. So, again, we have to see things things from both sides, right? And the teachers need more help and support and the students need more help and support, right? It, it can be both at the same time.
0: And speaking of both, I want to get more into your job. So I can probably imagine that the worst part of it is getting kicked twice a week. I can probably imagine that's probably being the worst. You don't have to go into that. But I do
2: want to know what is probably you would say the most fulfilling part of your job? Well, like I said earlier with, with the Benny, when I first started working with him, when you see The progress. Sometimes, I mean, it's like life changing, right? When you get a kid, they're a communication device, right? That that doesn't have verbal speech, and they can start to type on an iPad and it talks for them. They have an actual voice, and you see tears just flow. That's why you do it for the kids. that's something you
0: do, right? I just want to clarify. That's something you do? Yes, that is. That
2: is, we trial devices. It's always through a company. These are very expensive and very specialized, but we initiate the trial and help the trial go through and then once the right device for the right person is found then we do therapy to to familiarize and and increase use of and familiarity with gotcha what are some of the devices you don't mind me asking dynavox is a company that makes a lot of dedicated devices increasingly companies are making app for like ipads or androids so what we find a lot of times now it's a cheaper option to get a device they already have, get an app pushed onto it. And some of the most common ones of those are like LAMP, words for life, or proloquo to go, if I'm pronouncing that right. Go talk is a free one for any listeners out there. Go talk has a free app that actually is a great way to trial some early stuff to see if, if it's an avenue you'd like to go down but there's a lot of different type inside of that like I've got a client now that's trialing an eye gaze system and they're just tracking his eyes the computer actually sees where his eyes go and he's learning that if he focuses on something on a screen it will talk for him it will say the word that he's looking at or the picture that he's looking at so pretty amazing
0: it does sound pretty amazing now, because I am a motivational speaker, I'm just going to ask straight up, would you give me a favor and put in a word to see if I could speak at your elementary school? Because we spoke to, we spoken to children. I spoke at a school really close to me. It would be a privilege to speak at your school, and hopefully um, maybe you get approved by the principal.
2: Yep. I will absolutely ask, Sam. We are going through a bit. Our principal, after four years left last year, a wonderful lady. We got a new one, and she left after 10 weeks this year. And we have an interim principal, but he's great. I'm hoping we can get something worked out.
0: All right. That'd be wonderful. Thank you so much, man. Now, folks, we'll be right back. We're going to hear from Bobcat in Ellettsville, Indiana. So let's get to it. Are you wanting to do construction in your life? If so, Bobcat in Ellettsville, Indiana is the place for you to work. For 60 years, Bob Curl and the other six locations have been offered as a resource to construction equipment and sales. They can provide you with Bobcat equipment, bronchite trailers, fill power tools, echo outdoor power equipment, Renmax power equipment, and XMark commercial mowers. They also carry the products that are called Exaviators, compact track loaders, skid steer loaders, Versa Handler, Telescope Tool Carriers, All-Wheel Steer Loaders, Utility Vehicles, and Toolcat Utility Work Machines, plus a wide section of attachments. Be sure to use their services and give them a call at 800-825-9132. All right, folks, we're back. And yes, you may find some Bobcats there. You never know. My uncle did once. No, I'm kidding. He... He really didn't, but he did see some. Now, I do want to talk to you, Adam, about you being a treasurer for the Monroe County Autism Foundation. So how'd you get to be a treasurer for the Monroe County Autism
2: Foundation? I was approached, I am two of the members, the president and I believe she was the vice president at the time, approached me just knowing my connections with the autism community. I didn't know that that organization existed prior to them approaching me, but after I heard about it and the work they did. I said, you know, I'd love to join. And then our treasurer was retiring in 80-something, right? And she was looking to take a break. So I stepped up and took over as treasurer. That's awesome. Now, doesn't treasurer involve math? And are you good with that? (laughs) You said you're not good? No, I'm not. But are you? (laughs) I am. I am. I actually really, really like math. I like numbers. Oh, boy. I may be calling you, then help me with some math. <laughs> oh, yeah. No because problem. I'm taking a county class, and then half the time, I'm just like, want, 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 want. I know. I mean, I like fun numbers, so I might be bored with just looking at ledgers. But Dang it, um, Adam. You're supposed to help me out here. No, I'm Oh,
0: kidding. I know. I'm
2: sorry, Sam. It's all right.
0: <laughs> now, in all seriousness, though, can you tell us about the Monroe County Autism Foundation and what those who are interested need to do if they would like to get
2: involved with the Monroe County Autism Foundation? Yes, I should have had the mission statement pulled up, but I'll see how I do, paraphrasing. So our mission is to provide financial support for families with kids or family members on the spectrum. This aid, we've given aid for things like I mean gas so folks could get to and from, you know, work and therapy. We've done rental assistance. We've done some communication devices, like I talked about, that weren't being covered by insurance. There's amazing program put on every year called Camp Connections that's for students in Monroe County with significant disabilities that don't have the option to join typical summer camps due to the level of their need. And this camp works for them two to three weeks a year. I can't remember if it's two or three, but really just amazing work. When I was a student in speech, I actually did some of that programming, volunteered for some of that So we gave $3,000 a year last year for them. We gave money before for Camp Yes And, which is an improvisational camp.
0: I was in that. Were you? I was once. Yeah. It was all right. I mean, I didn't like, I mean, it was like an okay camp. I definitely, I won't go back Let me put it that way, but I did enjoy the experience. It was very
2: up my alley. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind doing improv. I mean, I don't mind like. Little acting, I guess, is what you call it. And for some kids, it really helps them come out of their shell and develop some of those skills in a non-threatening way. We're basically just a fundraiser. We just try to raise money and then give it to people that need it.
0: Camp Guess and taught me a lot myself, and I'm on a spectrum. I know I you will, shall rem- will remain nameless, but there was a student there who was very impulsive. You know, uh-huh. he said things like off the top of his head, no thought, It was just like, Out the window. No thoughts. Um, I was probably very impulsive too, but you talk about He was probably higher impulsive versus me. What I learned, though, in all seriousness, was that sometimes impulsiveness can be very bothersome, but also realize that we need to look at the other side and learn that they're impulsive because they can't help it.
2: Well, and also, there are times impulsivity is an asset, right? I'll tell you something my dad always told me growing up. My dad would wake up and hear things that no one else could. He could hyper-focus on potential threats better than anyone I'd ever met and have ever met. In today's world, that's not very helpful, right? But if you were in war or if you lived 3,000, 4,000 years ago, when we might still be having very little shelter or way to protect ourselves, having somebody that could stay up all night when everyone else slept and hear everything and be hyper aware, that would be an invaluable skill. Today, it's a detriment, right? He's hyper-anxious when he doesn't have to be. All of these things can be utilized and honed to really be assets. Another thought I had that I would love to get off the ground, tell me what you think about it, Sam. A lot of folks on the spectrum are really great at noticing inconsistencies. If you're ever watching a TV show and the cup of water that they're drinking is full and then goes lower, and then the next time it's full again, and things like that because of editing, I think folks on the spectrum would be great at catching mistakes like that and being editors for film and TV for little things like that. And I don't think it's ever seriously even been thought of, but I I, I think it'd be great. I agree there. with you,
0: but to an extent, because okay. there are lots of details we can go into and be like, boom, holy crap. I just saw that there's a lot on this TV. It might be broken. You may not see it, but I kind of see a scratch there. However, uh-huh. we can easily miss a detail in a very overwhelming situation. Because I got embarrassed my mother a little bit. She'll probably laugh when I say this, but believe it or not, she lost a shoe while getting overwhelmed. Uh-huh. And I laughed at her, I mean, kind of funny, but I also envision myself doing the same thing.
2: I totally agree. It's a really good insight. When we're stressed or anxious, our brains don't work well. So no, I, I totally agree with you there. I think finding those inconsistencies on in a movie, though, you'd just be sitting in the editing room by yourself. So you wouldn't to be stressed or overwhelmed. Yeah, the stress factors are out there, but I just mean like we're out and it goes
0: out into the overwhelming woods where there's bears and deer. It's a bit of oh, a Oh, I got
2: you back to that analogy. My dad, though, he was pretty confident in himself. That would be his role. I no. have no reason to doubt him.
0: Now, speaking of your dad, though, I want to go more to him so you said your dad was misdiagnosed with uh misdiagnosed lots of times so yeah what was your dad misdiagnosed misdiagn- with
2: Well, so, my dad left home when he was 16, and during his time, after he finished high school, still top of his class, but was couch-hopped and was homeless for several years, during that time, he got picked up, he was in a car accident, and was picked up by police, and he was in the police car talking to himself, sort of self-soothing, you know, and rocking. The cop didn't understand what was going on, and... Basically was talking to him and then said, oh, sounds like you need to talk to a doctor. Told the doctor of the time, you know, I don't know the year exactly. But this was long before autism was well understood. He was institutionalized. He was actually put in a mental hospital for schizophrenia because they thought said he talked to himself and he heard voice he had conversations with himself you know because that's how he thought so that was the big one and he was in there i think he said for 18 months and they gave him thorazine it's a, it's a terrible medicine so that was the initial but he did learn to play pool very well while he was there and he actually supported himself while he was homeless for a while playing pool so a little bit of good came out of that and then he went on he was diagnosed i think with adhd and anxiety and was given stuff and like was given Prozac and Ritalin and different things and When he was on Ritalin, he took everything apart in the house. There's this great story where he literally took everything apart in the whole house. And my mom came home from work and she freaked out. And he put everything back together, but the TV didn't work. But everything else worked, and he was real proud of himself. But she said something else is wrong. Giving him this medicine just made him go crazy in a different way. Finally got diagnosed, and his it's it's a beautiful story. He said he called up his best friend. He said, "Guess what, Scott?" I'm not crazy. I'm just autistic. I'll talk to you later. And then it kind of changed his world. He gave him a different, he realized why he was different and it gave him an understanding. And over time, he really did calm down and learn how to solve, work through things better. And, but I grew up during that process. I saw some of that inconsistencies and some of the exaggeration and some of the, it was a bit of a roller coaster here and there. So.
0: Now I felt the same way when I was told, I was, Want to tell the whole room? Call the world, like on the world, be on top and go like, "Hey, world, I'm autistic."
2: That's great. That's
0: what I wanted to do.
2: Tell you, my brother doesn't like it as part of his identity. He recognizes it, but it's not like he, He you know, like eh, cool. Yeah, to each their own, right? And everyone takes it differently. I know folks that don't like it being known that they're on the spectrum. And that's their prerogative. That's their choice. I don't think that it's disrespectful or anything. I don't think it's somehow it's how they choose to live their life.
0: I had a guest on the last season and C133s into the Serena de Jesus and G Money for more information. But according to G Money, he was kind of very iffy about sharing it because according to was dad. And at first I was like, Again, why you agree about the show? My show, share yeah. it. But the more I thought of that, I thought. Well, he doesn't have to be on. And his dad said, and I quote, he fought hard to remove that label. And there's a lot of people who probably do have to fight hard in order to remove that label. Like, oh, he has Down syndrome. He can't do it. That's a hard battle to fight. I fight it some days myself.
2: It's unfortunate that society has chosen, it's a bad label. It's something to fight against. Like I said, almost everyone I've ever known with autism at their core are caring, creative, compassionate people. So like, why is that something to fight hard against, right? What we're fighting against is all the conflict and friction that comes about from trying to fit in with a modern world full of sensory overload and rigid neurotypicals that can't accept things being a little bit different
0: and i think adam i can answer why and this is just from observations Uh is when someone fights through so much negativity it washes out the positivity that's a good insight sam Now, I do want to know this. So your older brother, according to you, taught you new routines you had to do and some new ways you had to communicate. So would you mind sharing us some of the new routines you had to do and some of the new ways you had to communicate?
2: It's nothing too glamorous or glorious, but it's like, he didn't always say what he meant or meant what he said, right? He didn't want something. He wouldn't tell me. He would wait until he got annoyed with it. And then he would slap me, you know, or, or whatever. And it's like, whoa, 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 you're gonna just said no. But so I learned to read between the lines a lot. And I learned to not take things personal early on i took things personally and i just hated him <laughs> i loved him and i wanted him to think i was cool he's my older brother right but i had a lot of animosity and a lot of what's the word grudge uh, grudge yeah i mean i had a grudge it just built up because it's like i didn't understand but when i learned to be less pushy and be more agreeable and move more at his space and be less loud around him right I had, but these weren't things he asked for. These were things I had to just, through trial and error, figure out work. And I think being forced to do that so young, both for him and my father, for different things, right? I had to, a lot of reading between the lines. It sort of made me like a translator. Like if, if you grew up in a bilingual home, like a Spanish-speaking home, your parents spoke Spanish and you translated for them, it's kind of like I learned to be a translator for folks on the spectrum. I think when we I-
0: need that because autism sometimes is a foreign language. I agree.
2: It it's, it's sometimes
0: different- you say something, but... You perceive it so way that
2: the next person's like, uh, what Exactly. That word you used, and we talked about it earlier, perception. And it's not just sensory perception. It's your social perception, right? You took that away. I didn't mean it. And you have to just believe me that I didn't. And for some reason, neurotypical people aren't good at that. And I think the reason they're not good at that is neurotypical people, social lives are filled with dishonesty and putting on fronts. Nothing demonstrates that better than, you know, Facebook photos, which have become the new family photo, right? Everyone has to look really great in the family photo, but as soon as it's done, everyone's fighting again. But you show everyone the perfect family photo, not the fighting. I think everyone should embrace the fighting, figure out why you're fighting, and then you can move on, right? And you have a happier family. But I think the same thing can be said across working with folks on the spectrum. I think you find the understanding, you meet them where they're at, and then you get at the root of the problem. And the root of the problem, a lot of times, is the environment. It's not the individual. It's a little bit the individual, generally, but A lot of times, a big part is the environment. Now, I do want
0: you to know about your friend, Benny. So can you tell me about Benny, your friend, and how you got to mentor him?
2: I had a paper out for years, and I was tired of getting up early. So in sixth grade, I answered an ad for a babysitter for a three-year-old who needed a playmate, didn't say anything about autism. Within a year, I got trained in ABA therapy, but back then it was just called LOVAZ, named after the guy I think that had recently sort of tailored it to autism therapy. And then Sunrise Therapy and some other things through his mom. I was immersed in a lot of different techniques. And Reach High, Audra, who founded Reach High, actually worked with him too. So I had a relationship with her as he was... Growing up, and I still see him every Christmas. We spend Christmas morning together. We go over there. He's a successful lube technician and he's certified to do more than that. So, from starting as someone who is nonverbal and self injurious to someone who's graduated college and is self sufficient and happy. Yeah. Can't and I think, if that. I
0: remember correctly, I think Reach High sponsors me. Is that right? I think so. But speaking of the sponsors, we actually got to hear from another one. It's not Reach High. It'll be RISE Autism Therapy Services. So let's take a listen. RISE is a new ABA center committed to serving children and teenagers from 2 to 16 in Bloomington and Evansville, Indiana. They value quality of care over anything else. That is why their BCBAs have small caseloads so that your child is a priority. We are dedicated to supporting families in our community to make an impact that is lasting. The small clinic size allows them to be available for you. They want to help make your family's life better and more enjoyable. To book a session, call them at 812-287-8561. Or if you have any questions, please email them at admin at riseautism.com. All right, everyone, and we're back. And yes, you'll definitely rise to the occasion if you check them out. Now, Adam, when I did your research, I found this acronym for the Monroe County Autism Foundation. It's autism, and it stands for always unique, totally intelligent, sometimes mysterious. So what does this autism acronym mean to you? And how can more people understand the autism acronym?
2: I think... You hit the nail on the head with the unique and mysterious, right? And that's kind of what I was getting at earlier, that I like working with folks to find that switch to flip and help find how to get goals met and skills uh, developed but all people deserve respect and people with autism are no different like it's not rocket science i think just recognizing that autism doesn't define people one person with autism is not gonna fit into the same box that another person with autism does just because they also have autism and i think that acronym speaks to that now i want to talk more about these play groups so I will also say your sponsor Rise does great work, and I have clients that that work with them too. So I'm gonna just little shout out there too. All righty, man, that is a okay. So how do these play groups you started come about? So they came about pretty organically. I organized play groups over the years with different families, first with Benny, and then with other families, as he got older, and he didn't really need support from me like he, he used to. So I kept working with other families. But always would continue play groups whether it was at Bryan Park, if we were working primarily on physical type social activities, right? If, if the group was kids that like to play tag and like to hide and seek and swing and that type of a thing, at times the group would morph to very video game based. It always follow the kids interest because i was working with these individual kids and what i recognized is those kids will work harder for peers than they will for adults just like any kids will the problem is they don't get the chance to build good relationships with peers because peers get turned off because of one type of behavior that they they don't have someone to translate for them and someone to help sort of shape so that it's tolerable or whatever and then realize, oh, this person's actually really cool. They just had that thing that kind of weirded me out for a minute. And once yeah. they get over that, they- They're realize having a oh, hard
0: time kid. with making the shape, as you said. I like that a lot because they want someone else to make the shape for them. When they realize in reality, they have to do it themselves, they don't
2: want to. So, so I think realizing that, I found that if I built a group around shared interests, it gave all of the kids the option to just be individual- Right. If they're feeling overwhelmed or whatever, they got their own Lego in front of them or they're doing their own whatever it is. But as soon as they're comfortable, and I will check in. And when they're comfortable, though, they'll share, oh, look what I'm building or this or that, or someone else has an idea. I think this should be the bad guy and this should happen. Oh, I love that idea. No matter what it is, it's a wonderful idea because these kids so often get told their ideas are stupid or not understood or whatever. I don't care what it is, as long as it's like we said earlier, as long as it's not a burden to somebody else, let's explore it. Let's wonder and look under. I agree.
0: But my question is, because of that fear, do you sometimes have to pull kids out and be like, like, okay, it's, you know what? It's okay. I love your idea. I love it. I love it. And because they're not used to it, they are like, well, this idea sucks for the most part. Do you have to pull it out of them because they're afraid to speak? about their idea sometimes?
2: Absolutely. Early on, especially, but that's what the group culture that I build is so important that all the kids know it's a safe place and they can say anything. And even if one of the other kids may say or do something, you know, like laugh or do something early on, I very quickly in a kind way let that other friend know and maybe use an analogy or remember another time that was important to them, Say, hey, you wouldn't like this happening to you in this way. Let's move forward in a more positive and kind manner. And very, very quickly, they all become very respectful of each other. Like, I got kids that hate potty humor. And if one of the other kids goes with a potty humor joke, the other kid used to grunt and grumble and get real mad. Now he just reminds them gently. And the other's like, oops, sorry, forgot. Goes right back to it. If that kid's not there one week, they're allowed to do potty humor. Early on, though, everyone was afraid. That's what I'm there for, just to work out the kinks. The kids do all the work. I just facilitate.
0: And it seems like, and I'm just curious, have friendships been made out of these play groups?
2: Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, going all the way back to Benjamin, there's a group of four guys and two of them call each other every week. That's been going on for a decade. So that's the longest lasting. That's the original. As far as the current groups, even folks that have dropped out, they share information. The parents have information. So once the kids feel comfortable enough, the kids have their own independent hangout. They just go to each other's houses or hang out at the park. They continue to come to my groups because they enjoy the, I don't know, the a ru- uh, i'm trying to think
0: of the right word atmosphere. Here, the How about the atmosphere
2: atmosphere thank you thank
0: you sam uh, problem i'll be honest with you i wish i would have found that like a while back ago or a long time ago because i've never been inc- included to a big group up until the year of 2022 the biggest first inclusive group i would say was at the time i went to podfest because while it was awesome and the podcasts were great and I made awesome friends, everyone there was very polite and just wanted to hear more about you. And I know it's part of their business and part of their job, but it also seemed very genuine. Like, yeah. like oh, I didn't really want to know about you, man. It can be both. I'm just trying to state that they it was genuine wanting to know you versus trying to, you heard the phrase blow smoke, right? Oh, yeah. That's what I've had to deal with, but-
2: that's a pot fest, not like that at all. It was very new and very weird. And Sam, I think that's that's another really good point. Is that too much in the field of working with folks with special needs? People look at it like you said that it's like not pity exactly, but we're trying to. I don't know. I I kind of lost it there. Something you were saying made me think about. That people, it's, it's kind of patronizing. Sometimes therapy can be kind of patronizing or you can be like, oh yeah, that's a great idea, but you really don't like it. Even if kids have ideas that I personally don't think or isn't the way I would go about it, I open my mind to celebrate their idea genuinely. Whereas a lot of times I think folks are like, oh, that's, you know, that's, uh, duh, 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 but they don't really mean it. And kids pick up on that, even if they're on the spectrum, right? I mean, you have to genuinely admire these kids what yeah, and what they're doing. Yeah, to be
0: honest with you, this is kind of funny. I write, tell me, dude, that's the dumbest idea I've heard versus faking. Like, oh, that's great. And, Lena, you know, I deal with this a lot. I deal with it with a friend. I, you'll probably know who I am. It's actually one of my guests. <laughs> VJ Yoho and see a lot, of, a lot of like yet opposites by VJ Yoho and I can probably talk about this now because he knows he does this and he sometimes will say the thing that people want to hear and not to hurt their feelings. I'm mm-hmm. the complete opposite. I'll tell you how it is whether you want to hear it or not. So maybe mm-hmm. when he's like, "Oh, that's a great idea," because he doesn't want to hurt their feelings and he's nicer than me.
2: I'll put it that way so we can. Definitely agree with that. So, Sam, I love your word choice there. He's nicer than you. So the difference between nice and kind. Nice is telling you you look great even though you have spinach in your teeth. Kind is saying, hey, you got spinach in your teeth right? Even though it might embarrass them a tiny bit, you're making them no longer have spinach in their teeth. So I'm in your boat, Sam. I believe as long as message is delivered with kindness, you should always tell the truth. And that's something I didn't have thought of. So now we know BJ's more nicer, Sam's more kinder. And I think kindness is more important because Nice can be fake. Kindness is genuine, right? I'm telling you this because it might upset you, but I'm still telling you because I care about helping you in a way I want to. And I'm willing for you to be mad at me because I care that much. I agree with that, but the only problem is I think others don't percept it that way. They take it very personally. Which goes back to perception sam all goes back to changing people's perceptions i love it
0: thank you so much now folks we'll be right back right here from another sponsor and it's another autism One. it's unlocking the spectrum so let's get to it
1: at unlocking the spectrum we are committed to making the highest quality aba therapy accessible to all children with autism we pride ourselves in offering fun compassionate and data-driven programs for individuals with autism and unparalleled support for their families our personalized approach means that every unique child is given just what they need to reach their maximum potential we are so happy to support sam in his mission of taking the stigma off of autism you can learn more about our services and employment opportunities in both Indiana and Texas at unlockingthespectrum.com or by calling 855-INFO-UTS. That's 855-INFO-UTS. All right, folks, I'm back. And if you check that out, you'll definitely
0: unlock the key to success. Now, Adam, I want to talk to you about this nonprofit you started, Celebrate the Spectrum. So what were the steps you had to do to start celebrate the spectrum.
2: I actually started it as a private business by therapy and consulting for families with family members on the spectrum.
0: Oh, okay. Well, okay. Well, why don't you tell us about it then?
2: Like I said, the play group is a component that I eventually I plan to have a designated location for sort of all day r- groups that can be rotating. But as it stands now, it's design groups and structured groups based on individual dynamics of students and like. So there's like a Lego based group and a board game, card game based group. And I I plan to expand those and have those be sort of the foundation of the business growing up as it grows. Because like I said, I think you get the most growth and gains that are functional and and that generalize when you do it play based and making those friendships, which which are invaluable. I also just do one-on-one therapy in home for folks and consult with families to give a different viewpoint. Like I said, to change perception, to maybe help parents understand why their child might be doing something a certain way and how we can support them rather than make them feel bad for whatever it is that they're doing that's part of who they are.
0: I did hear online you won the Gross Lewis Scholarship. So can you tell us about winning the Gross Lewis Scholarship and what it did for you? I did. How did you hear about that? I just, I ran to it on YouTube. That's, That's honestly, yeah. I yeah. think it was the IU media must have posted. It was, yeah, news. yeah. They
2: did a little video about it. He he was on the spectrum, that that guy. He's a great guy. Uh, it was great. I mean, it's neat. My name is on a plaque presumably forever in the, the IU union. And it, he was a great guy to talk to. Really, the best part about the, the scholarship was talking to him. And he like let me call him other times. Like He's like, if you ever just want to talk and good to I mean, he's just this really great guy. The wealth of IU knowledge and sort of a polymath in his own right. So I think that was the best part of, of it. I was in, and it gave me five grand to, to put towards my grad school. So it was a nice chunk of change to help me in grad school. So it definitely, definitely didn't hurt getting the money. Yeah, it definitely probably didn't hurt the money. Now I want to go into your family, actually. So can you
0: tell us about your family and your lovely dog I found you had? So like my wife? Yeah, your wife and your dog.
2: Yep. Yeah, so... So my wife, Erica, she works at Mother Hubbard's Cupboard and she is the director of like fundraising and grant writing and giving and and manages their finances and budgets and things now. Um, And she loves it. She's been there in various capacities, originally starting as a Patron. So that's what she does. And our dog Moki just had some cancer removed not that long ago. So we're hoping he's tip top again. And we've also got a kitty. We just call him Big Kitty. So yeah, is he a big one? (laughs) Is he a big kitty? Is he is a big kitty. He's a big one. Oh boy.
0: I don't I don't know if I live there though, because I'm not saying I hate cats. I'm just allergic to them.
2: Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I don't I mean, it was pretty
0: bad once upon a time, but it's not bad now. I can't sleep in cat fur. Sure. How has your family supported your mission about bringing attention to autism?
2: Erica's been super supportive. When we first got together, you know, over back together over a decade ago, she was the first one to encourage me to stop doing anything with Law or advocacy, and just go back to working with folks one on one, and then that's when I went back for recreational therapy and and speech language pathology. So she actually kind of was that catalyst to help me recognize that. And then she continues to be super supportive. She helps me organize the stuff, you know, starting this business. Um, she's helped me sort of organize things and get my ducks in a row there. And I'm guessing she's better getting ducks in a row than you are. Generally, if it's something I'm really into or she might say obsessed with i'm very good at it but if it's not something i'm really really interested in i tend to not be great at keeping the train on the tracks. but hey
0: we all know our strengths and our weaknesses and at least we realize them that's probably getting a start to me on the right track or at least maybe avoiding the train now mostly right back we're here our last ad, which is great white smoke so let's get to it in the town of bloomington indiana you can find the best barbecue meat at great white smoke owned by dave white great white smoke offers meat catering for events such as weddings and birthday parties. They've won awards such as a 2021 number one food truck in America Grand Champion and the 2019 Kentucky Anna Barbecue Pitmasters King of the Cue. If you're looking for someone to cook meat for your event, then Dave is your guy. Book them for your next event at 812-229-7571. You can drop them an email on their contact page as well. All right, folks, and if you check it out, you won't be here and smoke on the water, but you'll be definitely here and smoke on the grill because, my friend, their meats are delicious. Now, speaking of delicious, I do have a question for you, Adam, about food, but before I get into it, I, these, I just want to let you know these are just for fun, and these are the last few. So, the first for fun is, what is your paradise meal or favorite food, and why is it your favorite?
2: My Kind of guilty pleasure celebrating meal is probably a slab of beef ribs from King Gero's in town.
0: I don't think i've been there
2: it's on the south side um right across from south high school kind of they do just an amazing beef rib and it comes with fries and coleslaw and garlic bread i really love it oh man i like the ribs too Do you like it with sauce like lots of barbecue sauce or... oh it's, it comes covered in sauce it's super good
0: all right i mean you're my guy man i'm a big rib guy myself i i'm i think though with me it's pork ribs though like Mainly,
2: but almost everyone does, and I love a good pork rib. They're the only folks around that do a a beef rib, and I'll tell you, there once you go beef, it's just it's not good for me. I know that, and that's another. That's why I said guilty pleasure meal not not regular meal now what is your favorite movie or tv show and why do you like it that mine always changes so it's kind of my mood and or kind of like and i kind of have them in groupings but if i had to pick one to just say my all-around all-time favorite movie i think i'd probably say forrest gump Yep, yeah, that's me too oh really? man, that,
0: that's in the top five at
2: least yeah I mean, I i'm not I, a big movie
0: guy but when you when i watch forrest gump each time I get intrigued. I'm like, well, I know it's happening, but it's like, man, Horace Gump went through that. And yeah. he still has married. He, he had a kid and he taught him to be very successful. So that movie definitely resonates with my morals and belief.
2: Yeah. He had integrity and kindness the whole way through. Yep, Even when he was getting treated bad. I mean, integrity and kindness. I'm telling you. Bigger you character it, it's than like me. Slow and steady wins the race. It's integrity and kindness over time will work. Now, what has been your favorite vacation you have ever taken? And why did you enjoy that vacation very much? Oh, man. I'm not a huge vacation person. Okay. What about a staycation? I love it when I have, and I haven't for over a year now i love it when i have a couple days at least to where i can just totally veg out on a,
0: a new game all right what was the newest game you did let's re- let's go back to your latest trip what was a new game my
2: latest game that i really got into is one called crusader kings it's like a grand strategy turn based it's kind of like civilization if you know that game
0: kind of i've heard of it before yeah,
2: so it's kind of in that, that realm. There's a lot of numbers in math, so you probably wouldn't be a fan, Sam. Yeah, no. You, when you <laughs> said the word math, I was like, I'm out. Now, my final question is, are there
0: any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before I answer, though, I want you to end with, like, a good memory that made you just feel good inside. You forgot about all the world's distractions. But then a funny memory that made you about falling on the floor laughing. And it could be with your wife. It could be with your job. It can be... Is with your dog, your call, you want
2: to answer it, man. Oh man, that's such a huge question. Well, that's a memory I want to share. I think going to the park when I was a kid, probably going to the park with my dad when we were kids, and we'd bring like Ninja Turtles. We always ruined the Ninja Turtles because we played in the sand and the mud with them, but. I don't know I I think going back to when before I knew anything about responsibilities memories back when it was like you know you just truly no no worries no care. Oh I get that when
0: you're just acting the most idiotic you ever been and you're just like you know what who cares I I gotta have some fun in my life totally free yep. Yep. I get that. I've I've had a lot of those and sometimes I question it, but looking back, you know what? I probably did it just for the sake of it. And I'm a human. That's what I have to do sometimes. Well, Adam, I think that's all. Is there anything you'd like to promote or any closing remarks you want to say before we head out?
2: No. uh, If any viewers are more interested in learning about my philosophy or services that I provide or anything, they can reach out to me. But Other than that, just appreciate the time to come and speak with you, Sam. Thanks for joining me for this
0: episode. Please tune in for another episode coming very soon. I hope you enjoyed listening to me ramble. Thank you very much.